Welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in to What is Wellness. I am your host, Kristen O'Connor. I've been a private chef for the past 10 years, focusing heavily on wellness and helping actors and athletes achieve very specific body and health goals. And now I really set out on this quest to kind of excavate what actually is wellness, listening to as many expected and unexpected members of this very diverse community of experts. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave comments. Today, we have the exciting opportunity to hear from Reginald Lewis, who is internationally acclaimed for something he was actually born with. Reginald is a natural-born seer, medium, and healer. Reginald became aware of this gift at a very early age, encountering supernatural and paranormal phenomenon at the age of four. He ended up becoming an avid student of philosophy, psychology, theology, and the healing arts. Reginald started doing private readings in high school for classmates, and then after that realized that he could do this with the public. He is a certified healer in Japanese traditional Reiki and studied integrative medicine, Chinese medical Qigong, and he's a currently a doctoral candidate at the University of Metaphysics. So I'm really excited and looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Welcome, Reginald. I'm so excited to have you here. Really honored, actually. It's very exciting for me to hear about you and your practice. Uh, thank you. Well, I'm excited to be here. I'm looking forward to you know talking about some really great topics and subjects and whatever questions you have for me. So you are a lot of things. You have... <laughs> You are, I, I, when I was, when I went to your website to really explore um, all the different things that you do, you are obviously a spiritual healer and psychic and medium and have studied Qigong and obviously you study metaphysics. So can you kind of tell us just sort of start from the beginning and how you initially got into this and um, you know, what kind of brought your attention to this gift that you have? Okay, yeah. So for me, uh, it all began, uh, I guess, from the first day I was born. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think, you know, uh, I was born, um, I say, a natural born medium, you know, and a healer. So a lot of the gifts that, that I have, all the things that you've probably seen or read up on me, the different talents that I have are things that I've had since I was a kid, actually, a child. And uh, it really began with my family. I, I learned early on that my gifts, my uh, psychic abilities, my mediumship, all of that is actually hereditary for me, um, particularly through my maternal side. And the interesting thing about it is not only on my maternal side, but it's on both, uh, my, both of my current parent side on my maternal side, which I thought was quite fascinating. So my grandmother's side of the family is extremely gifted and my grandfather's side of the family is as well extremely gifted on my maternal side. That's amazing. And yeah. how far, how far back does this go or it, to your knowledge and your family's knowledge from your family's history? Okay. So what I learned, um, because I'm, I'm Puerto Rican and African-American, mm -hmm. um, so Afro Latino, I like that term. That's the term I usually use. Um, so what I learned from my grandfather, uh, my grandfather came here uh, from Puerto Rico and what I've learned, and I didn't learn until later, like much recently is that all my aunts, all my great aunts and uh, uncles, that they all have some type of gifting, um, really unique gifting. And the funny thing is uh, when they came from Puerto Rico, because if you kind of go back to Puerto Rico, a lot of the uh, traditional beliefs, so Puerto Rico is a mixture of the Taino beliefs, the natives of, of the Caribbeans, the, the Africans that were brought to the island, and the Europeans, the Spain, Spaniards, you know, that came and kind of conquered. So interesting enough, um, you carry a lot of spiritual, what we call uh, spiritualist beliefs. There's a lot of the traditional beliefs beyond, you know, religious, the, the Christianity aspect. There's a lot of what we uh, call, you know, uh, synchronistic uh, re religious beliefs. It's a mixture. Uh, so you have the Taino beliefs, that spiritual aspect. Uh, you have the African traditions that were brought from the Yoruba tribes and things of that nature. And then, of course, the Christianity that was brought in. So you will find a lot of uh, beliefs where they believe in spiritualism and believe in the spiritual world. It's, and Puerto Rico call it espiritism. And then Christianity, like the Christian by Catholic beliefs. And so what I learned is a lot of those traditions were left 
in Puerto Rico when he came here to the States and it became a lot of became like Pentecostal, like very like uh, like fundamental uh, Christians because I think they were already kind of outcast because of not speaking English and, you know, just kind of coming from a different place. So they try to fit in as much as possible, mm. you know. And so to talk about, you know, believing in spirits and all these kind of things just wasn't quite, you know, popular or normal. So they just kind of kept it hush. And um, what I kind of learned basically is my auntie, she has an ability, which is really interesting, to not only connect to spirits, but she has an ability to actually um, dream of things and tell people about certain things from her dreams. So not just like a dream interpreter, but like a dream reader, which is very odd. It's very weird. Hmm. And then a great grandfather who also, um, he used to be uh, what we consider, he used to go into trance. So, and he used to do writing. So what they would call automatic writing or spirit inspired writing. And he actually predicted um, um, a major earthquake in uh, Puerto Rico, a major uh, disaster through, through his writing. So there's like a lot of different of those examples on that side of the family. Then on my grandmother's side, so that's how far I know on my, on my, um, my grandfather's side, my maternal grandfather's side is a lot of, uh, my, my great aunts, my great uncles, they talk about their gifts. Yeah. On my grandmother's side, uh, it goes back to my great grandmother. Her name is Frances. And uh, what I learned about her is that she had an ability, she was a medium and a healer. So she had the ability to actually see spirit uh, three-dimensionally. So not just in her mind's eye, not being a mental medium. She actually was like a physical medium. So she could actually see and communicate with spirit as if we are communicating to each other. So spirit to her was like very real. Wow. And so funny enough, I grew up, this is the interesting thing, and, and I'm very blessed that I've grown up in the family that I grew up in because I know a lot of people who have gifts, unfortunately, they were born in families that weren't so open about their gifts. You know, grew up in a very religious household where those kind of things are like shut down very early on. Yeah. Well, I was going to say also, I mean, and I want to, I want to get back to this, um, but what, what came up in my mind too, as you're talking about this through history is that you're talking about your family in Puerto Rico and, and then coming to the United States and how, you know, what my mind went to is there's a repression of, and sort of a silencing of these types of gifts, right? Because there's, there's some sort of disbelief or skepticism around the very kind of intuitive connectedness to something that isn't tangible or, or isn't believed in by other cultures. Right. So then what it sounds like is what happens is that sort of gets extinguished in a lot of ways. And because, but it's, what's interesting to me is that as a culture more broadly, society tends to accept religion, which, you know, on all different types of religion, which actually is kind of the same. When you think about it, there isn't a scientific proof of religion. Just the yeah. same way that there isn't scientific proof of medium abilities or psychic abilities or things like that. However, it's just really interesting how society is willing to accept one thing and potentially not accept another. And then how that cycles into sort of a repression and even persecution. You know, I mean, that's what I was going to ask you too. When you're talking about your great grandmother, this is a really long time ago. People who had gifts like that were often persecuted and severely, um, yeah. and even generations before, obviously. So yeah, exactly. I'm just interested in how you, I want to hear the rest of your story, but I'm also just really interested in how you think about that. It's very hypocritical in a way, <laughs> the yeah. way that, the way that people think and approach it. And, you know, it's like, yeah, well, yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause this is something that I think a lot of people, you don't hear a lot of people talk about or get this kind of perspective. And, and that's what I, I truly, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for that the way that I was brought up or brought into this world and my background has really given me a very broad and wide perspective, not just like culturally wise, but just like with my gift and where I am and where I'm at in culture today. And so like learning, learning my history has taught me so much about not just my giftings and how it runs in my family, but just about society and society 
outlook on spirituality, you know, spirituality, religion, you know, uh, these different gifts that people have, you know, from seeing, you know, how, you know, my, my grandfather, you know, and, 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 you know, his family, you know, came from Puerto Rico and, and their beliefs and how it changed. And like you said, the sort of repression or, you know, um, and kind of losing certain traditions or, you know, hiding them to, like I said, my grandmother's side, my great grandmother, who was a medium and, and that side, you know, part, you know, coming apart from slavery, you know, and, and so it's like, I literally had gotten like a, a history lesson and kind of seeing how these gifts have somewhat kind of evolved in society and how people with these gifts, how it has basically emerged and how we've been able to um, adjust, you know, adjust to the change of times. Because like you said, you know, 40 years ago, 50 or even 100 years ago, you would have been considered a witch, you know, burnt at the stake or absolutely or drowned, you know. <laughs> so absolutely. thank God. Times, yeah, know, but to- but you know what's amazing, you know what you're saying is is that part of it is this family that you have, where throughout the, the, these different types of of oppression and and repression of this, you know, this ability and this type of spirituality, your family was able to really hold on to and cultivate pr- probably even stronger through the generations what it sounds like with your abilities too, these practices. And that is really special. I also think there's, there's more. So I studied art and I I had this one teacher who was really interesting in college and he really made us get to like a childlike state. And he tried to get us to tap into that part of us that wasn't manipulated and molded by society. And we had to do these like really silly activities and drawings And, um, he basically was saying that, you know, as a child, there's so much purity there and we are so open as spiritual individuals too, um, to see the world kind of as it is, but in a much more, I don't even know if I'm like articulating this well, but there's so much more openness as a child. And a lot of times what happens in families or in society is that like, no, 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 no. Like you have to fit into this. The, the, the grass is green. The sky is blue done. So a lot of that creativity and even um, connecting it to spirituality gets kind of squashed. I remember when I was like seven and I, I'm not saying I, I don't have the gifts that you have. Um, but I do remember a moment I was in the back seat of my family's car driving home from dinner And we saw an ambulance going down or I'm sorry. Yeah. It was an ambulance going down the street. And I said, mommy, uh, follow the ambulance. And my parents were like, honey, we don't do that. Like, that's not something you don't, it's dangerous. Like you don't follow. And I said, no, you have to, you have to follow the ambulance. And they were like, okay. So it sure enough, it turned into our family, our best family friend's house. And the little girl who is my friend had like swallowed her tooth or she was choking or something happened. But I knew it was, I knew exactly what happened. I knew that that ambulance was going there. And my point of this very long-winded story is (laughs) that I think a lot of times there's this empathy, like this openness and empathy that some of us could have a little bit more of. And a lot of times it's just not cultivated in the right way. And Mm -hmm it's such a gift that yours was. Yeah, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for it. And I, I believe everything. That's why I know everything happens for a reason. I don't believe in coincidence, mistake. I truly believe life is by divine design. And I think I won't be able to be the person that I am today if I had not chosen that family or to be born in that dynamic, you know, because I wasn't shut down and I had the ability to grow freely and a family that was able to understand and nurture and nourish my gifts. So that allowed me to kind of be, become the person who I am today. And like you said, not be hindered or um, suppress my gifts. So I think that was done by divine design. I know it was done. That's by really divine. amazing. Yeah. Was it when you were five years old that you had your first sort of mystical experience? So yeah. So my early experiences, when I really start to, realized that there was something different going on is uh, I would probably say around the age of uh, 
I had, I know I had things happening around the age of five. I would say four or five. I can be but there are certain things that I, I do remember seeing things, shadows, you know, seeing things that I know that other people wasn't seeing. Even I'm a kid and I can't I couldn't really articulate those things. I just knew that they were different from the physical people that was around. I, I, I just knew it. That's the only way I could explain it, you know? Like I knew that they wasn't of this world. Like I, I knew they weren't like my mother or my, my father. I knew that they, they came from somewhere else, somewhere where I truly didn't understand where that was from. Mm. And when I got older and, and my comprehension grown and, and I could communicate, uh, it began with my first encounter with death, actually. So my first encounter with death was extremely unfortunate. Um, my, I had a cousin, an older cousin who was murdered, um, and, you know, was shot and murdered. And, um, I remember this is my first funeral. I can literally describe this as if it was yesterday. I'm seven years old. And I remember going to the funeral and, uh, everybody's crying, you know, and he had an open casket. And I remember, you know, just sitting there and I'm watching my mom and my sister and I can feel these emotions. And it's just like, I'm just literally like an observer. Like I'm not really feeling emotion myself. Mm-hmm. I'm just literally there just like as an observer watching everything, you know? And I remember going up and, uh, you know, everyone going, you know, to see the body, view the body. And uh, I go up there and I look, you know, some of the family members are emotional. I'm not really understanding why. And um, I look at his body and, I just see a body. That's it. You know, it's not registering. Oh, so my cousin, he's dead. He's not going to be here anymore. It's like, I see a body. I know he's not talking. He's not. And I just remember, you know, burying him, burying him, doing the burial. And after that, for seven uh, consecutive nights, he came to me. When I, I would wake up and he was just there standing, you know, and, um, at first, I, it was weird. Like, there was a bit of a fear that came in because even though you don't understand things in, in detail as a kid, we're very smart. We have logic. Like, we have this simple, kids have this simple logic. And it's like, I know we put him in the box and we know I, we put him in the ground. So he shouldn't be here, you know? Right. That was my concept. Like, right. I know he shouldn't be here. Like, I just know he should not be standing right. know, in my bedroom front of me. So at first, it was fear. Because it's a part of that logic that kind of kicked in. But then all of a sudden, a peace came over me. And I knew like, oh, he's not here to hurt me. You know, he's just like standing there. He looks peaceful. There was just this peaceful feeling. He's not saying anything. He just looked peaceful. And that happened seven nights in a row. Seven nights in a row. And then I told my mom. And my mom said, oh, yeah, I'm like, my cousin's name is Andre. Um, I, I saw Andre. He keeps coming to me. Oh, and she's like, what is he doing? He's, I said, he's just there. I think he's just, he's just there. And I never understood that until later, years later, it was like, oh, he was just coming to me just to kind of let us know, I guess, because I'm a very sensitive one, that he was okay, that he was fine. Uh, So that was my first uh, memorable, impressionable moment. My second one actually came not too soon after that. And it was my second encounter of of death in the family. And it was on my father's side of the family. And this time, uh, it was a cousin who was actually my age. So she was only, I would say, probably a year older than me, eight, uh, eight or nine years old. And um, unfortunately, uh, there was a storm and she was riding her bike uh, that has just started. And she was riding her bike coming from her friend's house. And there was this pole, this line that everybody kept complaining about for the city to fix it. And they, haven't, they didn't fix it. Unfortunately, that day she was riding her bike, the line fell and it electrocuted her. Oh, yeah. God. So tragic. So it was a second. And the same exact thing happened. Uh, I was laying down and I woke up and it was not a dream. It was very much so real. I, I look and there she is. She's literally sitting there and she's just looking at me, not saying anything, just peaceful. And she's the same exact thing like seven nights in a row. Wow. And so those are my two, you could say, very direct encounters with spirit Mm. so then as you as you grew up i assume that these or i mean maybe i shouldn't assume so as you grew up did did these encounters start to increase did they happen outside of your family um you know how did that 
kind of evolve for you as you grew up? Yeah. So as I, as I got older, uh, the experiences just kept increasing, you know, it, it began from, you know, having those encounters with my loved ones and streaming of, you know, other loved ones coming to me, um, seeing spirits, seeing shadows, um, spirit would cause shadow people, things of that nature, uh, to the premonitions. Um, I start having premonitions. So I would dream of things before they happen. Mm. So I start having these dreams and they, and they became frequent. It was almost like every day. And it was just random things, you know. <laughs> it, it could be, you know, going to some place that we've never been to, but it's like, oh, I dreamed of this. I definitely dreamed of this. Like they do, like I was there. Like I saw it in my dream, you know, to um to dreaming of people passing away and knowing about them passing away before they passed away. So literally I would dream of someone that night and the next morning I would wake up and find out that that person had passed away. Wow. Yeah. That's and, a lot uh, to deal with. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. That, yeah. Who are you telling? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I was there. I mean, it got to the point that I did start to get scared because I, I started thinking, oh my God, every person I'm a dream of, are they going to pass away? You know? Uh, it's like, it got to that point, you know, uh, because I mean, it was happening so frequently. It's like, it, it was like people that I, I wasn't even in contact with. It could be, you know, distant friends or family members, friends of the family. And I would just dream of them all. And next thing you know, I wake up in the morning and that same day I found out, you know, finding news, oh, so-and-so passed away. So uh, that got quite scary for me. And I was like, okay, God, I don't want to, I don't want to have this experience because it's scaring me. And I'm thinking like, Anybody who I dream of, you know, they're going to pass away. And that just went away. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it went away. Well, thank goodness, because um, that does seem very heavy and difficult to deal with. So eventually you were able to sort of reconcile with having all of these different talents and abilities. And yeah. you were able to say, listen, like I am going to work on cultivating them and then using them to help other people in healing. So how, how do you do that? What is your process and how is this a healing experience for people that you work with? Okay. So, yeah. So to make a short, a short, a long story short, basically um, a key factor that was in my life, the, the main person who was a key factor in really helping to nurture my gifts was my grandmother, my maternal grandmother. Uh, her name was Linda. And uh, like I said, you know, it ran in the family. Her, her grandma, you know, our mother had the gift. She had the gift. She was a healer. She was very metaphysical. She was an Aquarius. She was like a, a epitome of Aquarius, like very, like her mind was like ahead of her time, like studied, very metaphysical, um, just extremely intelligent, smart, intuitive woman. And because I grew up around her and her speaking to her sisters, my, my great aunts and my uncles and them sharing their stories, because pretty much they grew up all with having experiences growing. All their houses was hunted. So they had a million ghost stories. I grew <laughs> up with like them sharing so many experiences. Like, oh, God, please don't let this happen to me. I was so scared growing up. Like, please, I don't, I don't want dead people popping up at the end of my bed or, you know. Was like, and sure enough, so they did. Sure enough, they did. Yeah, unfortunately, they did. So can't help it because it runs in the family. So, yeah. but yeah, they, they, every house that they grew up, they had so many stories because they were all gifted. So they all experienced all these different encounters and paranormal experiences. So to make a, a long story short, um, I realized that I was very sensitive to people's pains, emotionally and physically. Um, very in tune where not only was I an empath and I could feel other people's emotions and feelings, um, to the point, it's almost like I could read their minds because I could tell so clearly what they were feeling at that moment. Um, I realized that I was physically feeling discomfort in my body when I was around certain people at a certain time. And when I would say, you know, all of a sudden I'm feeling this and I just know there was nothing wrong with me. That person would say, oh, I'm actually feeling that, you know, or I'm having this issue. You know, I'm having a headache or, you know, I'm having this pain in my back or in my shoulder and that. And so what I realized, oh, there's something there. I'm, at, I'm actually able to tune into people's physical pain. And so the, I had a breakthrough when I was a teenager. Uh, my best friend lived across the street from me and they kind of already knew about my gifts. 
you know. And uh, one day we were sitting on the porch and his brother was standing next to me. And we nothing was wrong with anybody, but all of a sudden I just got this pain, throbbing pain in my head. And I knew it wasn't me. Something intuitively just said, ask so-and-so, his name is Nigel. I said, Nigel, is your, do you have a headache or is your head pounding? He's like, yeah, how did you know that? Because he wasn't, like, he didn't say anything. He just seemed normal. He wasn't complaining about it. There was no, no signs of it. I said, because I really feel it very strong. And something just told me, I don't know what it was, but there was this intuitiveness. Something told me, I said, I want to try something with you. And he said, okay, fine. I, said, I just had this feeling to just go near his head and visualize as if I was pulling whatever out of his head, the pain out of his head. This is so weird. I've never done this before. Never read it in the book. I just start doing this. The next thing I know, I literally could feel as if I felt it like, like a liquid draining out of my head, as if I felt it leaving. And I didn't say anything. All of a sudden he said, this is weird, but I feel it moving. And it feels like it's leaving my head. And that's what I just like in my head. I was like, oh crap. It's like, it shocked me. I was like, Did you just get full chills? I mean, I, I, he just, des- so he described what you were feeling. What I was feeling. I didn't say anything. But what I was literally feeling is if I was feeling like leaving my head, he literally said, this is weird, but I'm actually feeling it at this is least. So he was describing what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And the next thing he know, he said, wow, my headache is gone. He was like, I've been dealing with that all morning, actually, like, like for hours. And I didn't take no, he didn't take no medicine, nothing. And he said, all of a sudden it's gone. Like when I did that and I felt it leave, it was gone. And then that's when I realized okay, I have a disability. Now you just feel pain, but I can actually move it or manipulate it or actually get rid of it. And that's wow. what got my to studying healing. From that point on, I started to study everything I could learn about uh, healing from uh, the Chinese, traditional Chinese medicin- med- uh, medicine, uh, Qigong, medical Qigong, uh, prana. I mean, everything I could read on uh, energy and healing and energy work, I started learning and practicing. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I have so many questions. I don't even know where to start, but (laughs) do you find that when you work with people that they, because I can imagine this can get into so many tricky places in terms of people coming to you and saying, I have this ailment, like, can you cure me? And this and that. And You know, but do you find that when people are open, either they're also empaths or more spiritually open or whatever it is that, that the ability to connect to them and actually do that energetic work is more effective or does it not, does it have nothing to do with that other person's, um, kind of like openness or willingness? Yeah. Or belief. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, what I've actually learned is it doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, can it kind of uh, slow down the process or close the process down a little bit? Of course, uh, because people have free will and, 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 and you have to respect people's free will. Like, I'm not here to like manipulate people or control their lives. People have a choice. And, and, and if people choose, if they want to be healed, then they will be healed. It's up to them. You know, what I've realized is as, the, as a healer, a true healer is not really the one who heals. A true healer is just a vessel. So I, I kind of, when I explain it to in deeper detail about what truly a healer is, what I've learned, it's just someone who's just a channel for that higher healing energy to come through them. We're just the channel. We're just the medium. We're just the vessel. But mm-hmm. we're not the one actually doing the, the healing. Like we don't actually heal people. We're just the conduit for the healing. You actually heal yourself. That's really interesting. And it actually ties back to something that I heard you say, Steve Harvey's show. Um, You were talking about how he asked a question about predicting the future. And, you know, and you said, I'm not really predicting the future, but I'm explaining people, I'm explaining to people what the potential is and that you are picking up on what's happening right now. And then it's up to the person to continue either continue in that sort of energetic space or to continue towards that potential. But there's things that happen in life, either the choices that that individual makes or whatever it is that can disrupt that 
path to that potential that you see. Right. Yes. Um, so that kind of interestingly, like to me connects to what you're saying here, you're saying, yeah, I'm setting up, um, I'm setting up a space and then it really has to do with the other person willing to step into that space. Exactly. Exactly. Because the, the key part of this is, and this is the fundam- fundamental principle of our human existence, um, is that we have free will. You know, you believe in a higher power, God, the universe, whatever you like to call it. We have free will. I say the two greatest gifts that the creator gave us, God, or you like to call it higher power. I consider it God, great spirit, mother, father, God, is that he gave us, God gave us free will and the ability to create. So free will and the ability to do whatever we want to do with that free will by creating. But you also have to realize that there's universal laws, that there are laws that are put in place, principles that are put in place, such as karma. So, you know, what you put out, you get back. You know, you hear many different forms in many different religions, Buddhism, uh, you know, Wicca, you know, uh, tenfold rule. There's, you, you see that that's a universal principle. Do unto others as you want them to do to you. So, yes, we have free will. And we have the ability to create whatever we want, but know also that there is a cause and effect and that everything has its own um, this cycle, its own loop. What we put out, we get back and we have to reap the consequences of that. I'm wondering as you're talking to, because it sounds like you, you obviously offer <laughs> so much. There's and I was, I had this impression when I was reading your website also and listening to, you know, your interviews and everything that you have this ability, right? You have these mixture of abilities that a lot of other people don't have or don't know how to cultivate or tap into. But then mm-hmm. you also have this side of you that is really focused on healing. So when you're yeah. working with people as a practitioner or a medium or psychic, they seem to me still like different things. Um, so when people come to you, what is that process like? Like when, when you have someone come to you, um, yeah, what do they typically come to you for? And then how do you transition that to, to these, the spectrum of things that you offer as an individual? Okay. That's, that's a great question. That's like a perfect question. Because like you said, I do have many, a lot of gifts, even some gifts. I don't even know how to explain myself. You know, I, you know, I'm gonna be honest. I don't try to explain everything I do because honestly, I don't know. I really don't know how I'm able to do half of the stuff that I do. I just know it's there. And, and, you know, maybe as I get older, I will continue to understand and educate myself. But, um, you know, this, unfortunately, there's no like science, real science behind what, cause we're dealing with the spiritual we're dealing with the invisible. We're dealing with the non-physical. So we're dealing with things beyond the physical, metaphysical. So it's funny, you know, people say like, what do people come to you? Because you have so many different gifts and yeah, people have different needs. So what I've learned is that my purpose is to be a teacher and a healer. And as we know, teaching and healing can make, take many different forms, you know, many different forms. Um, you can teach people in many different ways and you can heal people in many different ways. And what I've learned is um, basically I am like a, I am a, a, a guide. I consider myself in the most, forget all the other titles, psychic, medium, intuitive, medical, intuitive, all these things. If you want to kind of just put it in simple terms, I am a, a guide, a teacher and a guide. Uh, people come to me for many different reasons. And whatever that reason is, that, that gift will come out. And I will serve that purpose in whatever way that they need to be served at that moment. So I have may have one client that may come to me and they're grieving. And, you know, they, they, they want to hear a message from a loved one. And so that's where my gift of mediumship will come to the forefront. And I will have the ability to connect with spirit and gives messages from spirit for them to help them in their grieving process or to help them to heal on that emotional level, you know, um, or give them that peace with their loved ones. Another client may come to me for, um, you know, uh, physical things that they're going through. You know, they're going to see a doctor, but they come to me just as a complimentary, you know, because maybe there's some things that the doctor 
there's they're they're stuck, you know, and they they can't really give them any further answers. So then I come in as a further tool to kind of just help them to say, you know what, I'm able to look at the deeper aspects. The doctor look at the physical, but I'm able to look at the spiritual and the emotional and the components that that are a little bit more um, getting to the core of what's really going on uh, beyond the physical. Uh, then there are other clients that just come to me just for literally counsel, spiritual counsel and guidance, or I'm able to just share my knowledge and my wisdom uh, with them and to help to counsel them or to guide them through whatever life challenges that they're going through as a life coach. You know, So whatever that person needs at that time, that's what I give people. I always tell my clients, no matter what they come to me for, I don't give you what you want. I give you what you need. I, I kind of had that feeling that because of your abilities also, it seems like you would be able to really pick up on and articulate through practice what those specific needs are in a way. So it, and you know, I'm not sure if this is actually how you practice, but it seems like, like if I came to you and I said, or if I came to you and didn't even say anything, <laughs> it yeah. seems like you would be able to pick up on those things. But what happens, well, I have two main major questions with this, but what happens when you encounter some things that are really difficult to share with somebody, or if you see or hear or experience things that are more on the dark side than the light side um, in terms of, right? Because that does exist, right? There are difficult things in the world too. Um, How do you, how do you deal with that? Do you approach it with those people or yeah, how, how do you really deal with that? So that's a really great question uh, because actually that ties in with the very common question that a lot of people ask me. And a lot of people say, do you ever give people bad news or do you ever see bad things you know, for people? And um, I, I honestly think, uh, so that's a dualism way of thinking, dual, dualism. And, um, I, you know, some bad and good could be different for every person, you know? Um, For me, my job is to help to guide you, to help you to grow, to evolve, to get to whatever level that you need to be to fully embrace your potential as a a person, as a soul on on this, in this planet with a purpose. So I'm here to kind of guide you on your path to help you to move forward whatever way that you need to move forward, whether that's healing, whether it's life path guidance, whatever it may be. So with that being said, yes, I deal, I deal with real life issues every day. You know, I'm, I'm not just dealing with, you know, I'm not dealing with butterflies and rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm doing readings, I deal with real life issues. I, I've been doing my work. It's crazy to say it now, but over 10 years. So professionally since 18 I'm 32 now, getting ready to turn 33 in March. Okay. So professionally, I've been doing my work that long. I've talked to thousands, countless of thousands of people and readings of all different backgrounds, cultures, ages. Um, and so every imaginable problem you can think of, I've had to address with people, you know, from death, you know, to illness. Um, to, you know, break up and divorce and heartbreak and sorrow. Um, and so, yes, I deal with real life issues and I give, I try to help people to provide them with real life guidance and solutions. I'm a very practical person. And I think a lot of people think, you know, especially people use the word light worker, the term light worker, you hear that a lot. And they just think, oh, everything is just light, 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 you know, love and peace, you know. <laughs> And I think the, what light truly means, it, it means illumination and it means truth. And in order for there to be light and truth and illumination, you have to dispel of the darkness. So in order to truly get to the light of something, you have to go through the darkness of it, you know? And I think that's, the, that's a big part of my process of being a healer is that I help people to face the dark things. I make them aware and conscious of the dark things or the negative things or the lower vibrations in their life. Because if they want to go, if they want to evolve or get higher in life or progress in life and to grow as an individual, you have to face challenges. You have to overcome challenges, Mm. you know? So that's what I'm dealing with every day. There's always some type of challenge that some person is, is dealing with. 
and, and I help people to overcome or to guide them through their challenges. Do you find that people typically are aware of those parts or, or a lot of times do you find yourself bringing awareness to those things for individuals? Yeah, uh, I definitely find myself a lot of the time uh, bringing it more to their awareness. Mm. Uh, most definitely. Uh, majority of the time, they are aware of it to a certain extent, but I think they're not aware of it on a deeper level. Um, and I think that's a societal thing. Uh, that's just how our society is, where um, we're taught to kind of address things superficially. You know, people are afraid to really go deep. Yeah. People are really afraid to kind of like really dig and really get to the core core stuff. It's a lot more safer to play it on the surface, you know, <laughs> to just say, you know, I'm going to deep dive, you know, and, and deal with whatever is there and, and overcome my fears, you know, face my fears, my, my insecurities. And, and that's, that's a big part of the healing process. Yeah. In order to heal, you have to, you have to become aware of what's holding you back. You have to be aware of what your fears are, what your insecurities are, uh, the patterns, the patterns that are blocking you. I guess that I guess that's what I what I find really fascinating because I think a lot of times people have a tendency when they hear those things to run from them. Like, you yes. know what I mean? It, it's very difficult, I think, to sit and stay with the awareness of okay, this is a pattern in my life that is blocking me, even though it seems logical to like dive into it and to embrace it. I think a lot of people kind of run from it because it's really scary to face our, I don't want to say inadequacies, but like our, um, what's the right word? Like our blockages. I don't know the things, the things, the things in ourselves, our souls, like whatever it is that's preventing us from succeeding or the way you put it, reaching our potential. What, yeah. So do you ever work with couples? Do you ever work with relationships? Is there, is there that element to this as well? Or is it usually typically very individual? Uh, yeah, so majority is individual. But yes, I do work with couples and there. I have actual couples. And, as, as, and I, when, when I think about that, I kind of laugh and kind of chuckle inside because I remember my first experience <laughs> dealing with a couple was the wife came to me first. So I had this lady who came to me and you know, I, I communicated with her and, you know, kind of gave her some guidance some insight, some spiritual guidance and insight. And a lot of it had to do with relationship stuff, other mm-hmm. things, but majority was relationship stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she said, oh, you know, she really loved it. So she said, you know what? Uh, she's like, you know, I think, I think my husband could really benefit from talking to you as well. You know, I think he needs it just, just as much, you know, as me. Uh, and then the next thing I know, I had this guy calling me. And I, I'm communicating with him and I, I'm, I'm tuning in on his wife. And he says, well, yeah, that, you know, you actually talked to my wife earlier and she actually sent, sent me to you. And so they had individual sessions and yeah. then at a, um, a session as, you know, together as a couple. Right. right. So sometimes I will have those experiences where I have the couples. Sometimes they will come to me individually and then sometimes they will come to me uh, together uh, in one session. That's really cool. That yeah. must be kind of fascinating but it is it's very fascinating yeah Yeah. do you ever feel like and this may sound absurd but I I don't know in your daily interactions with with individuals I'm sure you get this question a lot too but how do you filter out and like you know because I know that there's different things that you experience right so if someone comes to you like if I came to you and said is there like do you sense anybody here with me like are there ever times where you don't is question a and question B are there, are there times? And I guess this is a larger question where you're kind of walking through life and you have to really put up a block in order to not like at the grocery store, you know, when you're in a place with a lot of people, how do you deal with that? So a, I guess that those are multiple questions at the same time, but individually is, are there times where there really aren't, you know, there isn't anybody coming through. And then yeah. are there are times when there's too much of that coming through. Yeah. Yeah. No, th- that's, that's a great point, actually. Um, so being a medium, 
you know, being like this my whole life, uh, people always ask, is there, can it, can you turn it off? No, I can't turn it off. There, there is no on and off button that I have. They say, turn my gift on and off. But I say, it's a, there's a volume button though. So I, I, I can tune it, tune in and out. That's what I've learned. That's something I had to learn, obviously, through experience, because, of course, I went through that stage being early on, being young and not understanding, being very overwhelmed, of course, you know, uh, not knowing, OK, wh- why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why am I picking this up? You know, and, and you know, not liking crowds or being around a lot of people because it was so overwhelming because I was picking up on so much in my environment. It was like like sensory overload, you know, for me, you know, right. Um and then, and then I learned, you know, as I educated myself and learned, oh, you know, it's about my, my attention, where I put my intention, where I put my focus and what I focus on tends to expand and to grow. Um, and what I, when I shift it, then, you know, my, my attention shifts. So I've learned that I can tune it out. No, I can't turn it off, but I can tune it out. So if I'm in the grocery store you know, I don't have to worry about the lady next to me, her dead grandmother, you know, like, you know, hounding me when I'm trying to buy, you know, apples and, you know, go grocery shopping. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't, I don't want to focus on that. You know, like I'm here trying to buy groceries. Right. Know? And you're focusing on the apples instead of yeah, like I'm zeroing like, in. Right. Yeah. I'm not, not here for that right now. You know, Because the truth is the reality is there, there are spirits everywhere. There are spirits everywhere. You know, so if if I if I was like constantly open or allow myself to be open and I didn't learn to tune tune it out, I would literally be in that case. Like I would be crazy. I would be in a crazy house. You know, they would have me somewhere thinking, you know, I was schizophrenic or I was just crazy that I lost my mind, you know, because uh, it can. So um, I've learned through discipline, through meditation, through prayer. Um, by being able to have control over myself and discipline over my own mind, my own body, um, my own awareness that I am in control. The spirits aren't in control. The world around me isn't in control. I am in control of myself. So I've learned that through experience after, you know, being overwhelmed so many times and, and, you know, literally to the point where getting headaches you know i used to actually get headaches i used to be so overwhelmed by so much energy which is why i still to this day i really don't like uh concerts or really big big crowds um because i will instantly get a headache just just that much i'm absorbing that much that i will literally get a headache. Yeah. yeah so so you're able to tune out like during this conversation if there's a spirit there's spirits with me for instance there's, well, if you ask like me, someone sitting next to me on the couch, <laughs> actually, I'd kind of want to know. <laughs> no, it's funny you say that because it's like, if you ask the question, of course, and if I focus on the question, right. of course, my attention goes there and my energy right. goes there. So right. I automatically, it opens up that part of my mind, that intuitive part of my mind begins to start to open up. So when you ask that question, I will start to literally feel, I can feel spirits energy and the way that i feel that is like it's hard to explain but it's like i can feel as if i had a bubble around you say like you had a bubble around you mm-hmm. and that was like your your boundary you know your personal space i can actually feel spirit coming into that bubble and that's how i know spirit is stepping forward so when you ask that question it's like okay oh god i can feel it. it's like okay i feel i feel some energy coming in and then that's my choice where i can say okay yeah i can tune into this you see further okay who is this or who's potentially there? And so it's funny, as you ask that question, uh, I actually do feel that energy very strongly around you. And it's actually a grandfather that's around you. So that comes through with you. So this is a grandfather energy with you that comes through. He's very close to you. He's very aware of you. So I knew that you grew up around him or you had a relationship with him. So you have a grandfather that's that's passed who you had a very close relationship with. Yeah. 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 Well, he he's there. He passed this summer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He's there. He's with you. Okay. Um, he brings up the heart. Okay. So very strongly. So he wants to let you know that he, he very much so admires you. Um, and you know, he calls him, he calls you his little princess. So he's calling you his princess. Okay. 
And um, he's very protective. He's, he's very, very protective, extremely protective. And uh, I don't know why, but he keeps showing me this, but he liked, he liked the water. He liked the water and he brings up like fishing or he brings up the water. So at this point, he said he's like younger or he said the memory of like, like fishing or going out, like like outdoor stuff. He keeps bringing mm. it up very much so. And um, he says that he knows that you miss him. Okay. Um, and people always want to, are you actually hearing this out loud or how are you hearing this? So just to explain this, because that's a very common question. I'm not hearing it out loud as if I'm hearing you. Um, I'm actually hearing it in my mind, but it's different, obviously, because it's a different voice from my own thoughts. Okay. So I'm hearing this and, and, and I'm hearing him saying, you know, I know that you think about me, you know, and I miss you as well. And I don't like he's showing like gifts, but I feel like he used to like my gifts or like like little like little gifts, okay? Uh, and um, like little treats that he keeps he keeps showing me. Now, is there three? Is there three other? Or is there three other grandchildren or two other grandchildren? Because I keep feeling like he keeps showing me the number three, and so I feel there's a connection to like three three children. I don't know if he's one of three or if there's three other. He's like, one of three. He's one of three. Okay. Uh, he is, he is, he had two other brothers. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, because he keeps showing me three. So when they show me numbers like that on my fingers, that let me know that they're one of, you know, so many other, you know, children or kids, but he keeps showing me that. Now, is, are, are the other two deceased as well? Yes. Yeah. Because when I tune in, it's like, oh, I feel like for some reason, I feel like they're oh, actually over there standing next to him. So this is what you want to know. Like he's with, he's with them. He's with his siblings, that they're around him, um, that they're all together. Um, does he talk about or address any like negative things or is it all kind of positive um, when you ask that he says that he knows that the family has been a bit distant he knows that the family has been a bit I feel like there's been a little bit of a um, yeah like like distance a space with the family but he also talked about the family coming back together again so I feel there will be something actually upcoming in this year of 2022 where there will be something like a like a family reunion or some type of uh, connection where I actually see family coming together or connecting okay and I feel like it's actually like a celebration or a birthday so I feel like someone will have something like a springtime or something um I feel maybe uh, March like April May time uh, something where there may be a celebration or something or someone will have in the gathering where I feel like the family are like coming together. Um, but I feel like he, he does want the family to be a little bit more closer. I feel like that he wants the family to be more connected. Is, is your family a little bit like right now, like they're kind of spread it out or a little, a little distant? Um, not emotionally, but my aunt is in Florida and my mom is in his two daughters is in Connecticut. Um, okay, so they just spread it around. Yeah. Okay, so that's why he's bringing up them coming together, like literally the family come together. Because I see that I see like a little mini, like I want to say it's like a real family reunion because I'm not seeing like this big family reunion being planned. But I see like this little mini celebration where I see family members coming together. You know, everybody, everybody able to kind of reconnect. Um, but he's like your guardian angel. Uh, he keeps showing me roses, which is spirit way of showing their deep love and affection um who are you and um i don't know why he wants to bring through jonathan or john but i feel like he wants to actually bring through the um the jo connection with him so there's somebody by the name of actually j jonathan or john that's with him that's deceased as well mm, that's probably his it, it could be his brother okay mm. um that his brother is john yeah so I feel like this is his way, you know, of just letting you know that he's one of the main energies that's, that's, that's present, you know. Um, people always ask, you know, well, who decides who comes through? How do you know who comes through? Or can you call? So I, I tell people, I do not conjure up the dead. <laughs> I like calling the dead, you know. Uh, it's whoever is available at that time um, or stays fit is meant to come through at that time. Because um, a lot of times people have an expectation of someone that they really want to come through, you know, and that person may not come through, but it's very evident that it's someone else that they knew, another family member that's coming through. And it's because that person 
you know, needed to come through or that was the person that was well. Because, you know, spirit, they have a life as well. People don't realize, you know, <laughs> like, they have a life here. They I had no idea. They do? Really? They, they, they have a life. They don't yeah. just sit around waiting for us, you know, just to, <laughs> pop up, uh, to call up on them or, you know. No, they, they have a life. Life is eternal. True life is eternal. And I feel that that's the important uh, philosophy of mediumship or purpose of mediumship to teach that, that we are spiritual beings, that we are truly eternal, that there really is no such thing as death. It's only a transition, you know, and that life is truly eternal, you know, um, that it doesn't stop. Once we leave this physical body, um, it doesn't stop there. It's not the end. It continues on. The learning continues that's um that's really encouraging to think about yeah. because through i mean this the past couple of years have been so challenging for most people and you know with so much increase in even just mental health you know issues and things like that that come up that ability to um sort of lean into the idea, knowledge, philosophy, that there is a continuation is really, it's comforting. Yeah. And it's good to know, let people know that, no, you're not alone. Because mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people do feel alone in the world, you know, whether if they've lost majority of their family, you know, and they really don't have a lot of family, you know, or if they're going through something in their life and they don't feel like, you know, they feel like they're struggling on their own and they don't have a support system a physical support system, friends or family to talk to or communicate with. It's great to know that, oh, wow, I'm truly not alone, that I have angels, I have loved ones, I have spirit guides that are there guiding me, that are there encouraging me, that are there trying to uplift me and that that I can communicate with them, that I can talk to them, you know, that there's this relationship, this availability uh, that's always there where there is no... There is no separation. There is no disconnection. We are always connected to spirit. Spirit is always connected to us. It's just a matter of us being open, Mm. being receptive and asking for that connection and for that communication. Do you use, uh, you know, like manifesting as part of your practice in any way? Like I, as you were saying that, I don't know why it came to mind, but, um, you know, just thinking about how people and myself included, like really crave the ability to like, there's certain things that we, that each of us individually really strongly desire out of life. Right. Um, and that's different for everybody, but you know, some people are focused on wealth and materialism. Some people are focused on like family and children. And, you know, there are certain things that are just of key importance to, to each individual, right. In terms of just like life. Um, do you feel, or have you experienced that there's something that coincides with an individual's ability to sort of tap into those angels or spirits around you? And is that something that they do to help you to bring about the things in your life? I guess, I guess this is, goes back to the meeting your potential kind of thing. Is that part of it? Oh, yeah. So uh, so you're asking a very intricate, but very core question that I feel has been around since the beginning of time, since man probably existed on this planet. You know, who am I? Why am I here? What's the purpose of all of this? You know, the things that I desire, the things that I want you know, what's, what's real, what's not real. It's like, what's the whole purpose of all of this? Why are we here? Why are we going through this journey? And when you bring about mani- uh, manifestation, I think this very, it's a key part of it because I think we have to get back. See, I'm a person, I, I like things simple. If you kind of listen to me, I'm the type of person, I don't like to make things too complicated. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe life is complicated. I think us humans have a tendency to make life more complicated than what it is. I'm very simple. I, I like to say, keep it simple and spiritual. That's the way I like to keep it. And so I have a philosopher type of mind and through my practice connecting with spirit as a medium and a channel, I've learned that 
first we have to realize that the one thing that's the truth is that spirit is the core of our experience. Spirit is life. Life is spirit. Meaning that before we even existed in this physical realm or anything physically existed, it had to exist on some other type of level. Everything did just boom, just pop up. You know, the universe just to create itself. And that's, that's the question scientists can't, can't ask. They can come up with all these theories, you know, the, the big boom and all of this, but they really can't say, how did this all begin in the beginning anyway? You know, <laughs> you know they can't answer that question. That's the unknown. But just to get back to my point is, we have to first realize that we're spiritual beings first. Everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Um, not the op- it's not the other way around, the physical and the spiritual. It's the spiritual. You've heard that saying, we're not physical beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a physical experience. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I, when we come to that realization that we are soul beings, you know, that we chose to come into this physical life and to this earth plane to learn, to grow, to evolve, ultimately for our spiritual evolution, for our soul's growth. That's really the whole point. That's why we come here. People say, you know, why do we come here? Uh, That's one of the reasons why we come here, um, to learn lessons, to grow, to evolve as spiritual beings. Um, And the second reason is to learn to become masters ourselves, meaning master creators, master co-creators. As I talked about earlier, we all have free will. And I think the the highest level of uh, manifestation of of being in potential is becoming a master of thyself and what you're creating, a master co-creator with source, with God, the universe, and realizing that, you know, yes, I do have a choice. I came here, I have a purpose, but I have a choice about how I choose to go about it. And I have a choice of the impact that I choose to make through my decisions, my everyday decisions and my choices, what I say, what I do, what I feel, how I treat others, how I treat myself. You know, you're creating your reality every day. You know, you think about it every day when you wake up, you have free will to say, okay, I'm waking up, I'm living, I'm breathing. What am I going to do? If I got to go to work, I'm going to go to work. But you don't have to go to work if you don't want to. <laughs> you can stay in the day. You know? It's like you think about it every day. We have so much more power than what we realize. And I think a lot of times we don't know what to do with that power because we give so much of it away to society and in the conditioning, the programming of what we think we're supposed to be doing. You know, everybody's is taught, especially here in America, we're taught the American dream. You know, get your education, get a degree, get a good paying job, get married, have kids, get the house with the white picket fist. You know, that's that's the ultimate American. But is that what it's truly about? Is that truly the purpose of every, every individual? Obviously not. Or else, you know, every person will be living with that, you know, big house and the family, the white picket fist. It's not. It's us for us to all have our own individual experience to learn and to grow and to teach each other, to learn from each other. That's why there's a diversity of experiences, a diversity of people and situations and challenges so we can learn and grow from each other. If everything was the same, there would be no reason to grow and to evolve. Yeah. And I think that's the most enriched that is. I mean, I know as a fact, like that is the most enriching part of life and you can't buy that. You can't, you, you really have to work at it and earn it. Um, And I love what you said about how, you know, we, we can really be there for each other to really support one another in that experience. And I think that's such a powerful message. And it kind of, you know, my, my last question at the end of every podcast is what is wellness to you? You know, what does wellness mean to you? But I feel like you kind of just answered that, but asking that question, you know, from your perspective, from all of the gifts that you have and your studies and everything, what, what is wellness to you? Yeah. Well, I love that word actually. And, and my, my word for wellness is wholeness. That's what wellness is to me. It's home. It's, it's feeling uh, balance. It's having the connection between your spiritual, your mental, your emotional, and your physical. 
Some people say mind, body, spirit, connection. Having all those things align together, that's what makes a person whole. Because if you're lacking the physical, you know, you're going to lack emotionally, mentally. If you're lacking mentally, you're going to lack emotionally, physically. Everything is integrated. You know, we're multidimensional beings. And so with that being saying, because we're multidimensional beings, we have to be aware of ourselves on these many different levels. We have to be aware of ourselves on many different levels. We have to be aware that, yes, I'm not just a physical being. I'm a spiritual being. You know, I'm an emotional being. And so you can't neglect or choose one over the other. You have to be aware of all of them. And I think that's what brings wellness to a person. When you're aware of those different aspects, when you're working on all of those aspects, that's what makes you a complete individual, a complete being, a whole being, and brings wellness to your life. I love that. And it really takes a lifetime. You know, there's there's never oh. an end, there's never an end point. The evolution is your whole life. So yep. You know, if, if we are doing the work and putting in the time, it's a, it's a, it's, it's our lifetime experience. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today, Reginald. It was really enriching and so fascinating. Uh, It was a pleasure. I enjoyed this and uh, yeah, hopefully you can have more conversations. I love stuff like this. This is the stuff that feeds my soul and hope, and I hope that it feeds other people's souls as well, you know? Oh, absolutely. Mine, a hundred percent. I've enjoyed this so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. I could definitely talk to Reginald for hours. That was so fascinating. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, share, all those wonderful things. And our next guest is Kevin Libby, who is a nutritional counselor. So that should be interesting and exciting. Thanks so much, guys. Have a wonderful day.